How many of you guys enjoyed worship this morning? Man, wasn't that so good? Isn't that so good? So fun to have Ryan Rocha on stage with us again. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to ask Ryan Rocha to come up right now. I want to make an announcement and honor Ryan properly in this way. Clap for Ryan Rocha as he comes up. Uh, love you, my bro. Love you. As uh, Ryan was coming up, I was just going through my mind of all the memories I have with Ryan. This is Pastor Ryan Rocha, and Ryan Rocha was hired, and the first time he led worship here at South Beach Church was in February of 2018. So five years ago, him and his wife Nina and their two girls, Hazel and Violet, have been with us at the church and navigating as God is leading us. It's been such a radical journey, but you might have noticed that Ryan's not been on stage as often, and so I want to just let you guys all know, for the last year or more, Ryan's been being blessed in his other job. He's been working two full-time jobs this whole time. Pray for this guy. And God's been blessing him in his other job, Fox and Crown Branding Agency here in Newport, and now he's located in Toledo. And for the last year, we've just been saying, hey, can we do this? Can, we, can you do all of it? Can you do more? Are you going to die? Are you okay, bro? You know, watching him, and it's been such a journey together in the Spirit, trusting the Lord. And in April, we made a decision that uh, Ryan is going to pursue full-time his branding agency as, as a full-time career, not be employed here at South Beach Church anymore. But in that, he said, I'm going to keep serving and keep going here and keep leading in that way, which for me as a church leader and for Ryan as a church leader, I believe is a demonstration of what God does in our lives as he leads us and as he guides us. And as one door opens and another door shuts, and as we simply do the next right thing. And so I want to thank you guys for letting us as a leadership team go through these waters and trust the Lord. How many of you guys are going through some situations in your life right now where you just don't know exactly what to do? Raise your hand if you don't know exactly what to do. Sounds like a bunch of confused people out there. Oh, no. I do not know exactly what to do either. I don't. It's frustrating. This is why it's so awesome to come to church and to gather with others and to say, hey, let's do this together. And sometimes the Lord doesn't even tell you that the decision you're about to make is the exact next right thing. He gives you signs, he gives you peace, he gives you direction, but he asks us to honor him and to take and make steps of faith. And so I just want to celebrate Ryan and Nina and their family and all that you've given to our church, all that you've given to me personally and what we've been through. And it's just such a joy. And so as I knew Ryan was going to be on stage this morning, I was like, yeah, because he's been busy. We wanted to make this announcement back in May, by the way, and the guy's been so busy And so I just thank you, Ryan, for serving the Lord, for honoring him, and for honoring me as your friend. And what I want to do now is I want the South Beach Church family to extend their hands of faith towards you and pray blessings on you. And I'm so excited to partner with you moving forward. We don't know the future. We just don't. But we know who holds the future. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for my friend Ryan. I thank you, Lord, for the call in his life, for the immense, obvious gifts you've given to him, Lord. One of the most gifted people I've ever met And one of the most humble people who just does what he has been told to do and asked to do. And he just produces wonderful works for you, Lord. Whether it's branding or video or graphics or audio, Lord, or worship. I thank you for him. And I thank you for his wife, Nina, Lord. And for Hazel and for Violet, this family of God that you've placed in Toledo. And that, Lord, before he made this transition, you actually allowed him to buy a house. So he actually can't leave Lincoln County. And I thank you for that. And I pray you bless Fox and Crown. Lord, bless the worship team, bless our church, bless your kingdom. I thank you, Jesus, that you've instructed us that whatever we do, to do so for the glory of God and the good of others, no matter what, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name for healing, Lord, on his heart, Lord, and his wife's heart, and anything that's been given to them, any sacrifice they've given above and beyond the call of duty, bless them and reward them. 
And I pray for our church, Lord, and the other worship leaders and the volunteers and the many men and women who make light the work, the ones who are rising up and saying, I'll do that. I'll show up. I'll stay late. I'll be there early, Lord. You bless us and anoint us. We love to worship you. We consider ourselves a worshiping church, Lord. We want to lift you high, and I pray you continue to equip us and lead us and guide us. But I thank you for my brother, Lord. Bless him, and even today, may he take a deep breath in and say, thank you, Lord, for letting me be a part of this body, a part of your work, and a part of your mission. We need you, and we ask all these things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you guys clap for Matt Ryan? Love you, bro. Thank you. God bless you, dude. Man, and I've been in the ministry now for 22 years. It's a long time. And I don't know how because I'm only 25 years old. It's crazy. It's a joke. And to see men and women step down in positions of leadership and the difficulties that arise from that or the reasons that surround that, this is one of the best things that I've seen happen in church leadership where a man or a woman is allowed to follow the Lord. And God guides and God provides and God confirms and God cares for. And may we know that. May we be a church and may you be a family. May we be people that trust the Lord and simply D-T-N-R-T. Do the next right thing. And when you choose to do the next right thing, God's principles and your obedience coupled with his principles cause things to then move forward according to his goodwill and his purposes. So thank you guys for letting us navigate through that, for trusting the leadership team here at South Beach Church. We're so grateful for you and all of the prayers you give. But hey, let's now find our instruction together in God's word. Open up to Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And I'm going to say one more prayer over God's word. Father, we thank you again for your word that it does not return void, that it's alive and active, that it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's able to discern our thoughts and intentions, it's able to separate between the bone and the marrow. It's able to do, Lord, what we could never do for ourselves and to restore our soul, Lord, a light for our feet, a lamp for our path. And I pray in Jesus' name now for ears to hear and for anointing, Lord, to do. We thank you for all you've done. Receive the glory. Bless the Sunday schoolers, Lord, as they're getting in the word and probably eating some snacks and some gummy bears right now. Bless them. And may we, Lord, get the exact meal that you provided for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. I would remind you that we're in the book of Judges. It's a time period after the book of Joshua and before the book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, kings would be given, King Saul and King David and all the kings. But after Joshua and before the kings, there were judges. Judges is better interpreted leaders or heroes. And for 400 years, leaders and heroes were raised up by God to do just that to lead and to rescue the children of Israel when they got off course. Because after Joshua, that is being led into the promised land, inevitably, after they're worshiping the Lord for a season, the children of Israel were wooed and seduced by the ways of the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And they found themselves detouring and being distracted and ultimately being destroyed because of their carnality and sinful tendencies. And we've chosen to study and, and name this, this study through Judges stories of failures and forgiveness. You don't need to raise your hand, but since becoming a Christian, have you found yourself failing still only to be forgiven again and again and again? And so this shadow of judges is a type of our Savior, of the judge, capital J, Jesus Christ, 
who would come and rescue you from your failures and would forgive you time and time again. And yet as we study the book of Judges, we can find principles and pictures and types that will help us to navigate through our lives and not make the same mistakes that they made. Because we all want to be worshipers of the Lord. We all want to have soft hearts and we want to have those clean paths that we might find ourselves getting closer to him. And in Judges chapter 4 and 5, we see two main characters introduced, Barak and Deborah. Barak and Deborah. Deborah's the judge. She's the female leader of Israel at that time. And she prophesies to Barak, hey, go against Sisera and Jabin, these bad guys, and you're going to find victory. And remember Barak, man, he was a big baby, big baby Barak. He was a baby and he said, well, I don't want to go and I'm not going to go unless you go with me. And Deborah looked at him and said, I'll go with you, baby. And God's going to give you the victory because that's what he said. The problem is, is you're not going to get the glory. It's going to go to a woman instead. And most of us would assume the victory would go to Deborah. She was a, a queen bee, if you would. Her name actually means bee. And man, she was sweet, but she packed a sting as well. But the victory didn't go to Deborah. It went to another gal, Heber's wife, named Jael, Jael, her name means mountain goat. And she was hanging out there, and as Cicera was running and fleeing the battlefield, remember Cicera's name means field of battle, and he's a bad guy. And he's been defeated. His tanks are destroyed through the floods that God brought when he brought the rains during the dry season. And Jael pursues Sisera and says, come into my tent here and I'll hide you. And remember, we talked about Sisera as a picture of the old man, that old nature, that sinful tendency that just looks for an open door in our lives and creeps in and then gets under the rug. All of this happened. And as he was under the rug, he said, give me some water. And Jael's no fool, so she didn't give him water to satisfy his desires. She instead popped open a jug of milk, not just any old milk. This would have been gross milk. This would have been like cottage cheese and yogurt and you put them right to bed. And so the Bible says of itself that it is the milk of God's word that we're to apply to those dark areas of our lives. Those areas where we're finding ourselves compromised and malnourished. Apply the milk. Peter says, desire the milk of the word of God like a baby wants his own milk. And Jael did this, and he went to sleep. And before he went to bed, you remember this guy, Cicera, said, hey, if anybody comes looking for me, don't tell them I'm here. Lie about it. Hide me and pretend it's nothing bad is happening. This is what our old nature does as well. It says keep people out. Don't let anybody in. Minimize it. Hide it. Pretend it's not bad. JL, knowing the situation was going from bad to worse in this scenario that she found herself in, while Cesara slept, this is all last week we studied this, you remember that she sensitively and quietly took a hammer and she took a tent peg and she went over to Cesera, the old flesh, battlefield of the mind, this guy, and she put the tent peg into his head and she took the hammer and it was hammer time, man. She went down with that guy. Can't touch this. And he got the point, man. He was donezo. It was bad news, and we're going to see now that she came out. We talked about the hammer. It says in Jeremiah 23 that your word is like a hammer. Man, it just breaks things up and gets things done. And I believe the tent peg made of wood speaks of the cross of Calvary. And when we apply the milk of the word and the hammer of God's scriptures, and when we call upon the grace of the cross, man, we find our old man dying. We find that old nature, that sinful tendency that creeps in and tries to take over 
and causes so much havoc. Now check this out. Deborah's so fired up that she writes a song. She was a poetess. She was a songwriter. She was an inspired woman. She was a prophetess. She was a judge. She was a warrior. Man, this lady is too legit to quit. It is truly hammer time. Let's read it. You guys, you guys, pray for me. Pray for me. I gave away as much coffee as I could after I consumed as much as I could. Let's now read chapter 5. It says, then Deborah and Barak, evidently they wrote this song together, it's a duet. They, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day. And this is their song. Now let me just again make an observation. They start to sing. When did they start to sing? When Sisera had been killed. When the old man had been dealt with. When the milk of the word had been applied. When the hammer of God's scriptures had been used. When the grace of God's cross had been called upon. I'm going to tell you something right now. You are going to sing better in any day when you're dealing with the old man properly, when you're pushing him down, when you're not giving him water and satisfying your old carnal natures. If you want to be a singer, if you want to be a worshiper, if you want to just be filled with joy, you got to starve the old man. Don't feed him. In the contrast, when you're messing around with those old natures and old tendencies and old carnality ways, it's going to be very difficult for you to sing to the Lord. It's going to be very difficult for you to find that joy or that pep in your step. And here, when did they sing? When the battle was over, when the war was done, when they D-T-N-R-T, when they did the next right thing. Don't you want to just be a singer all the time? You know the difference when you're just going down the road and nothing can stop you and everything's going for you. It's because you're seeking first the kingdom of God and all these other things are being added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. And it's so easy for me to wonder, why am I not singing right now? Why am I not full of joy right now? And I just take a quick inventory of my life. And so Sarah's back there chugging water, you know, and all this crazy stuff. But when I find myself dealing with it, you're going to be a singer too. Well, be that as it may. Look at verse 2. And here's the song that he or she and Barak sang. Now, again, it's tough to teach from a song. We all have favorite songs that we sing. Have you ever been singing a favorite song of yours and just kind of wondered what the lyrics really meant? <laughs> you ever done that before? And then you get your Apple thing and it like shows the lyrics. Like, oh, I should probably delete this from my, from my phone. You know, We're going to study the lyrics of their song and make application so Bible students lean in and let's glean what we can. Here's her song. When leaders lead in Israel, when the peoples willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, and give ear, O princes. I, even I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord, God of Israel. It's almost as if in verse 3 she's saying, even I'm going to sing. Maybe she didn't have a very good singing voice. You ever been around somebody with not a good singing voice, but they're singing anyways? Yeah, you stand next to me. Stu's pointing at me, yeah. I don't have a good voice, but I'm going to sing as loud as I can. Even I, she says, will sing. And something happens in your life when you're a Christian, and you might not be the best singer, but when you see the Lord high and lifted up and he starts doing things in your life, man, truly, you have every reason to sing. This is why we turn the speakers up as loud as we do so we can't hear you. You know what I'm saying? We, we give you a chance to sing. And Deborah here, apparently, she's like, even I'm singing. I'm so pumped. Notice in verse 2, though, backing it up. Why is she singing? Two reasons. When leaders lead and when the people willingly give themselves. Man, you could teach a whole conference on this. Leaders lead, did you know that? And the best leader will have the best followers, and the best followers will have the best leaders. The two complement one another. If you want to have good leadership, you got to have good followership. I made that word up. But you got to have good followership, but if you want to have good followership, you got to have good leadership. 
And I believe God wants all of us to grow in our leadership capacity and also, listen, our followership capacity. That is what God's asking you to do in your influence of leadership. What's your influence of leadership right now? Kids, grandkids, spouse, school, neighborhood, sports team, church, work. What's your fields of influence right now that God's given to you? I have a lot of fields of influence that God's given to me, and I'm just gonna confess, I don't always want to be a leader. I don't always want that responsibility. I don't always wanna show up early and stay late and say yes to everything, I don't always want to. And so what made Deborah sing when the leaders led, specifically Barack, specifically her, specifically the people, and she's gonna note, it's crazy if you wanna dissect this entire song into two camps, she's gonna congratulate and point out everyone that led well, and then she's going to also point out and throw under the bus everyone that didn't lead well. Okay, it reminds me of like West Coast rap. She's just gonna call everyone out. You know, it's gonna be like a rap battle. It's gonna be nuts. Leadership, good leadership. I believe the Lord is calling South Beach Church to have strong leadership in these next couple of years. A lot of things are gonna be happening, a lot of big uh, responsibilities. And I believe the Lord hasn't led us this far just to lead us this far. And he wants us to not just have good leadership, but good followership, where every single person does exactly what they do. I want you to make sure you don't think I'm making this up. Verse two, when leaders lead in Israel and when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Man, that's a good church right there. That's a good group of people. May we rise up to that and say, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? How do you want me to do it better? Thank you for leading me this far. Aren't you guys glad that God's led you this far? I'm so glad God's led me this far. But there's more work to be done, isn't there, Jennifer? It's Jennifer's birthday today. Everyone say happy birthday, Jennifer. Jennifer, so proud of you. She's come so far. If you knew her story, you would clap louder than that. Happy birthday, I love you. Let's actually, I'm gonna pray for you, Jennifer. True story. Father, I thank you for Jennifer. Lord, in my mind right now, I have pictures of Jennifer. Lord, skating in town, far from you, separated from her family. Lord, living an alternative lifestyle away from you. I can see it because I saw it. And now here she is in church, Lord, her kids both giving me hugs this morning. I thank you, Lord, for JJ, her, her mom, Lord. I thank you for all their family. I just, I thank you that we can pause and say, Lord, would you continue to lead her and guide her and make her one that sees you high and lifted up, that leads her kids well, Lord, that is led by you. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done in her life. Multiply her story, Lord, a thousand times over. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Happy birthday, Jennifer. <laughs> Leaders lead. Followers follow. Find your place. It was funny, on Thursday morning, I did a wedding in Long Creek, Oregon. How many of you guys know where Long Creek, Oregon is? Okay, nobody knows where it's at. <laughs> I didn't know where I was at. Seven hour drive from Newport, 300 miles. It was incredible. I picked up Domingo Salas. I took a partner with me, didn't want to go alone. Picked him up at 4.45 a.m. And we drove 300 miles, got there right around noon in order to do this wedding. And we did the weddings up in the mountains. I didn't know where we were. And man, it was crazy. And then at about 4 p.m. at the reception, I said, hey, we have to go home now. So we drove all the way home. So we had a lot of driving time. And on that drive, we listened to audio books the whole way. We listened to Craig Gross. Shell's newest book, Lead Like It Matters, an amazing book. I just got 15 copies delivered to my house this last week. Lead Like It Matters. We listened to another book by James Clear named Atomic Habits, ways to change your life by just changing incremental habits in the way you live your life. We also listened to a book called Celebration of Disciplines, Growing in Spiritual Maturity. 
And the whole time we're just listening to books on leadership and feeding our souls and our spirits, redeeming the time. I did fall asleep to one of those books, I'm going to confess, but I just put that out there. What are you doing to enhance your leadership capacity right now? Even if it's just saying, Lord, take me as I am and use me. I don't want to put a guilt trip. This portion of scripture, there's a huge proclivity to put a guilt trip on the body of Christ. I just want to confess that right now. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, but I do want to call us up this next year to be the men and women that God wants us to be. Barak says, when did we bless the Lord? When the leaders led and when the people willingly gave themselves. Yesterday, we had a memorial, celebrated the life of Sean Bogart and the family as we came behind Bonnie and Robert. And Man, it was such a, such a blessing for me to be a part of the memorial graveside and here. And one of the things that stuck out to me was the way that the women's ministry team came together and shouldered the load of the food. And when I showed up here, and not just that, but the staff at South Beach Church and all that, it was just such a wonderful event. I met new people there at the memorial and at the reception as people willingly give themselves and say, what's the next need? What's going on? Where do I find my place in the body of Christ? There's lots to do, and I don't want to put a guilt trip on anybody. I would also confess, South Beach Church is one of the hardest places to find your place, to serve here, show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything. It doesn't work so well here, but every single person is created uniquely and individually. God has a purpose for your life, to let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And here, Deborah starts out her song. Oh, what a beautiful, bless the Lord. Leaders are leading. People are giving themselves willingly. The king's man, verse three, and the princes, I'm gonna sing. Look at verse four. Lord, I like that. I circled it. All credit goes not to the leaders, but to the Lord. When you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water and the mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. Stop right there, eyes up here. Seir, Edom, and Sinai. These are all past victories that she's now pulling into her song saying, Lord, remember that? Remember when you did that in Edom? Remember when you did that in Seir? Remember when you did that in Sinai? That was so legit. It's so important that we remember all the past victories that the Lord's brought us through. And here's why. Because right now you're going through battles. Right now you're facing battles. And they're big. They're not small. And yet if you're smart, you'll look in your rearview mirror and say, I've been through some big battles already. The Lord's delivered me in Edom and Seir and Sinai. He was working then. And I'm going to bet you that during those big battles back then, you were freaking out. You couldn't see it all. You didn't know how it was going to work out. And you were worried and wondering and possibly even wandering. And the Lord was faithful to you. And so Deborah says, remember when the Lord was faithful back in the day? So good. I want to be one who recalls my journal entries and all the issues I've been through. The Bible actually says that the things that happened beforehand happened for our learning, for our understanding, and for our patience, both historically and biblically, but also in your little short life. And here she recalls, man, God's been so faithful to us. He's already done this. All credit and glory goes to the Lord. She goes on and recalls the history. Look at verse 6. In the days of Shamgar. Everyone say Shamgar. Shamgar. You guys need some coffee. Shamgar. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. Until I, Deborah, arose, a mother in Israel. Stop right there, I suppear. She notes a few things. 
She says, remember when Shamgar was around? We saw Shamgar at the end of chapter three. Shamgar was the guy with the ox code and he killed 600 Philistines. He simply did the next right thing also. He was guarding the past. He was making sure that he did what he could do because you can't do everything, right? But you can do something. And sometimes because we can't do everything, we don't do anything. But we need to just do the next right thing. Shamgar killed 600 people with one ox goat. Deborah calls him out and puts him in her song. How cool is that? And that God would use Shamgar to hold the pass and to alleviate this problem, to me, speaks of, listen, our Lord's character. Did you know that God loves to use the weak things to confound the strong? He loves to use the base things to confound the mighty. He loves to use the small things to confound the big. Do you guys know this? It's a principle. He loves to use the things that don't make any sense in order to accomplish his will. So that way the rest of the world says, oh, that must have been the Lord that did that, not you. Someone say amen. Amen. This is like my greatest hope in life is that the Lord can use me because I'm an idiot. Are you, anybody, any of us an idiot out there? In the Greek, the word is idiotos. And it literally means untrained. You're just, you're just a willing volunteer. I'm just willing. And the Lord says, oh, I'd love to use you. As a matter of fact, the word idiotos is used in the Greek in uh, Acts chapter 4, where the Pharisees are looking at Peter and John, and they're full of boldness and confidence. And yet they mutter to each other, it looks like these guys are just idiots. They're untrained. How is it that they're doing such mighty works? And they note that they'd spent time with Jesus Christ. They were different, not because of who they were, but because of who they were linked to, because of who they knew. And when you, like Shamgar, you're the odd man out, you're ill-equipped, there's no way it's gonna work when you do it, but if you do it in the name of the Lord, and if you trust him and do the next right thing, God will do in your life and for your life and for his glory amazing things. What what do you have? I just have an ox goat. I don't have much. Cool, give it to the Lord. Every single day, give it to the Lord. Well, Shamgar gets a little mention here, And we see, Lord, that the situation is given, the details, should I say. Look at verse 6 right in the middle. It says that the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. Can you imagine how difficult this would have been? They're under oppression. Nobody's on the normal roads. They're all taking back roads. It's like the Hunger Games all over again. That's bad news and people are hiding out. Village life ceased. There was no fellowship and no camaraderie. People are going on the byways and not the highways. Did you know that this is exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life and in my life as well? He doesn't want us to walk our normal paths of righteousness. He wants to disrupt our flows of Christianity and fellowship and camaraderie. He wants to get in the way of that so you're not doing normal village life with each other. And this happens on micro levels and macro levels. This happened during COVID when we were all separated and you couldn't be with each other and it was all disrupted. Very difficult time for everyone. But on a micro level that's smaller, the enemy wants to get in your life, the old Sisera, the old man, and disrupt your path of righteousness. He wants to disrupt your fellowship you have with your spouse or with your kids or with the people around you. This is what was going on in Israel. Everything's all messed up. Village life had ceased. But something happens. Look at verse 6 in the middle there. I think that's where we're at. Until I, Deborah, arose. Arose a mother in Israel. Stop right there. Eyes up here. I love Deborah. She's giving shout outs to Barack and to JL and all this. And she says, you know what really happened though? I stepped up my game as a mom. I arose, a mother in Israel, even I. Now it's interesting, we know that Deborah is a judge. 
She's a warrior. She's a prophetess. She's a poet. She's a songwriter. She's a leader. She's all these things. And yet when she writes a song, what does she call herself? A mother. This would have been a perfect Mother's Day sermon. But instead we talked about Ehud and Eglon. <laughs> Just off by a couple weeks. Deborah! I'm so thankful that she calls herself a mom. All those other seats that she sat in, those hats that she wore, amazing. She's a judge, she's a leader, a warrior, a prophetess. And yet her, in her own estimation, her greatest influence that she had was being a mom because she can actually change generations by pouring into her kids. The greatest, I believe, influence a mother will have is on her own kids. And the greatest ministry a mother will have is upon her own family. And I believe the scriptures teach that, it shows that, and I want all of the ladies here, in the moms and the dads, and the ones who have influence over our kiddos, to own that. Even as I was studying this through, and my three kids are sitting over here and thinking about the privilege of raising them up. God's put me over many things and many people in many places, and yet my main ministry is in Agate Beach at my house with my kids, and so too with my wife. I love it here. She says, this is all going on. Village life had ceased. People are walking in the byways instead of the highways until I rose up a mother. How many of you guys ever seen a mama bear go crazy? You ever seen this before? My mom went crazy one time. She's sitting right over here. I love you, mom. And I remember one time, we lived in Bend, Oregon, and, and we lived at Desert Woods Loop there, and I was about seven years old, and I was riding my bike back and forth, and there was this house two doors down that had a bunch of dogs there, and one of the dogs had gotten loose and was chasing me on my bike, and I remember I was like screaming, ah! You know, freaking out, riding up my, my driveway. My driveway was three miles long. It felt at that moment, you know, and it was like 40 feet. And as I was coming up screaming, I remember this dog was about to eat me, and then Mama Bear came out the house. And I'd never heard this voice from my mom ever in my life. Man, she grew into a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It was incredible. And she came out and said, hey, get out of here, you know. And me and the dog both ran, you know. We both took off. Still to this day, I don't know who she was. She, she protected me. She protected me. Mama bear. And here we see Deborah. As she's in this place of opposition and difficulty. Wouldn't it be awesome if we all just said, what are we doing? Why are we so oppressed right now? I'm going to step up. I'm going to rise up with a mama bear mentality. Shamgart mentality, JL mentality. Let's push back on the darkness. Why are we sitting here letting this thing go on day after day? Look at verse eight. Here's some of the problem. She writes this in her song. They chose new gods. And then there was war in the gates and not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. Stop right there, eyes up here, just one note. Why was there such oppression and depression and distraction? in detouring in Israel, because they chose other gods. When you choose other gods, you're going to bring upon yourself war every single time. Someone say amen. It's just true. When you choose lesser gods, idolatry, when you choose the way of the world, the way of the flesh, when you reap, when you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap the whirlwind of corruption every single time. And notice what it says here. They chose other gods. War was found in their midst, and not a shield or sword was found among 40,000. Have you found this to be true in your own life? That when you choose silly things, you get silly prizes, and you worship lesser gods, you also find yourself de-weaponized. The shield of faith goes down. The sword of the spirit is ignored. The helmet of salvation comes off. The belt of truth is removed. 
The breastplate of righteousness is not cared for. The gospel of the feet of preparation is not important to you anymore. And when we go to lesser gods, I just want you to make the application on your own. Do not sell out for the things of this world. Do not sell out for the things of this flesh because it will bring in your life a war. And let me say it this way. Maybe you're in a war right now. Maybe there's war going on. Your weapons are down. You're not edified and equipped for the work that God's called you to. Today you need to repent. Repent. Say no more war. No, no more false gods. I'm not doing it. I'm going to set it down. I'm going to go a little bit closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my king. And today's the day that he's going to forgive you and restore you. As a matter of fact, look at verse 9. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. That's kind of the first stanza. She goes right back to the way she started. Man, I'm so stoked on the way the men and women rose up in this time. My heart is with them. And can I just say this, what I already said, it was such a blessing yesterday to see the body of Christ come together and minister. But we're so blessed here at South Beach Church with the staff that God's given to us. We have such an amazing staff, and not just the staff, but the volunteers, not just the volunteers, but the school. This morning, I woke up, the very first person on my mind was Katie Townsend. She's the principal of the school. And the Lord said, pray for her. She's a leader. Pray for her. And I prayed for her, and I prayed for Lindsay there in the back, and I prayed for Pastor Paul and all the teachers and then I prayed for all the staff and just praying for the people, the men and women of God that he's given to this church and to this mission and to this county. And the Lord kind of convicted me. He said, you need to wake up every morning and pray for everyone by name. Whoa. And actually, you know what was more convicting? Not that I need to do that, but that I haven't been doing that. And what does Deborah say? Oh, I'm going to read it so you don't think I'm making this up. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Because it's not a Brock show or a Deborah show or a one-man show. Everybody counts. Everybody's important. And the way a church or a school or a ministry is successful is for every single person giving what they can give and every single person being honored as such. Look at verse 10. It says, speak you who ride on white donkeys, these are big wigs, who sit in judges attire, wise guys and gals, far from the noise of the archers among the watering places, there, shall recount, there they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts for his villages, villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. What he's saying, what she's saying is, is that when the leaders lead, the people will gather together in wisdom and in freedom. Verse 12, awake, awake, Deborah, awake and awake and sing a song. Now there had been 20 years of oppression before Deborah awoke apparently. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she wakes up and says, hey, let's get after it. Barack, let's go to war. This is what's happening. Do you know anybody in your life that after being in opposition or separation from the Lord simply just woke up and all of a sudden like, whoa, let's get after it. They want to be the first there and the last home and showing, saying yes to everything. You guys know anybody like that where you just get saved and you get radically saved? Nobody? Okay. Well, anyways, Deborah, Deborah got radically saved. She wasn't sleeping anymore. Every Sunday morning, we pray for three groups of people. We pray for our church service before we begin. We pray for other churches before they begin. And we pray for those who aren't yet going to church, that God would wake them up, that God would shake them up, that God would, would make them up into the people that he wants to in order that he could take them up during the rapture. This is what we pray for. And I want us as a church to keep praying for people that are maybe sleeping right now. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend of me. Maybe it's somebody else. Pray that they wake up. Well, Barack, or Deborah says of herself, awake, awake. In the next portion of the, verse 12, she says, arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. I read that a couple times last night. And I was wondering what was going through Barak's mind 
when Deborah called him in to that meeting. Hasn't the Lord told you we're going to, to war? Hasn't the Lord said he's going to give us victory? And here this song is repeated, and she says, Barak, it's time to leave captivity free. It's time to set the captives free, Barak. Every once in a while, I forget the importance and the severity of the mission of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's so many people in churches just like you guys and churches like ours that, listen, forget the severity of the mission of Jesus Christ. That there are people, men and women, captive right now, being held in bondage, blinded, and on their way to hell forever and ever. This isn't just a group we get together and drink good coffee and gather and have great music and, and get filled with something. This is a mission. And when Deborah said, rise up, Barak, and lead the captives free. And as I was reading, I was like, Lord, would you never let me forget the importance of why you've called me to do what I do? Never let me forget why it's important that my sword is sharp, why I want to abstain from the world, why it's very important that I keep everything moving forward. Why is it so important? Well, it's only life or death. That's it. It's only heaven or hell, forever and ever. Years ago, I was at a CrossFit training session, and I was the trainer. I was employed there, and, and I was working, and, and, and I was looking at these athletes working. It was like 5.30 in the morning, way too early, and I was watching them, and I kind of wondered, like, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here right now, and I felt the Lord say to me, that's okay. I want you here because not everyone that's working out right now is going to heaven. That's why you're here. Yeah, they need to learn to do their push-ups better too, you know, but that's not your primary reason. You're here as salt and light, okay? It's the mission. Why are you employed by the person you're employed? Why are you in the relationships and in the neighborhood that you're in right now? Why are we here? We're on mission. And soon this life will pass, and only things done for Christ will last. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, she said. Look at verse 13. She gives a shout out. Then the survivors came down. That means the people who wanted to participate. The people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty from Ephraim. Were those roots in Amalek after you, Benjamin, with your people? And from Mekur, or Manasseh, rulers came down from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter's staff. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Stop right there, eyes up here verses 13, 14, and 15. She says, all these guys got together. Barack, you started leading, and all these troops showed up. Man, it was so legit. Then the correction. Verse 15 in the middle. Or verse 15. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As Issachar was, so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command. But among the divisions of Reuben. How many guys love Reuben sandwiches? They are so good. Best Reuben sandwich in town, in my opinion, is at, just kidding, I'm not going to tell you. Anyways, Reuben sandwich, Reuben, there was great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among, verse 16, the sheepfolds to hear the pipings for the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on the ships? Asher continued on the seashore and stayed by his inlet. Stop right there, eyes up here. She now identifies four tribes that didn't do what they were supposed to do. She starts with Reuben. She said, Reuben, what were you doing? You had great searchings of heart. You were considering it. This is what she says. You were thinking about it, and you thought about it so much you didn't do anything. We call this the paralysis of analysis. 
Reuben wondered, should we go? Should we go? Should we go? Should we go? Let's talk. Should we go? Should we go? Should we go? And they just talked about it, and pretty soon it was too late. And she goes on and writes in this, this song. She said, why did you stay there listening for the pipings of the sheep? Why did you stay there with the other sheep? You could make the illustration and go even further and say, why did you just stay in the church instead of getting the salt out of the church? Why didn't you do more with your life? And so often in our Christianity, we're saved and we're secure and we're good. And the neighbor across the street isn't. And we're like, what should I do? Should I go talk to him? Well, I'll wait for till next week. And then a decade goes by, well, you know, I'm gonna, I should, but I don't know if I want to take that risk. And we, we muse, should I start that ministry? Should I go to Mexico? Should I do these things? Should I give in this way? Should I serve in this way? Should I witness? I don't know. And if you've done this, I've done this too. Sometimes it's just too late. May the Lord correct us and us not be like Reuben, not just Reuben. And I got to be real careful here not to put a guilt trip on anybody. I don't want to do that, but may the Spirit convict us. Reuben just stayed put, didn't do anything. Look at verse 17. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. Now, if you know your map, beyond the Jordan was on the other side of the Jordan, up north a little bit. So the battle's down here at Mount Tabor. And all of a sudden, these guys, Gilead, are like, that's pretty far away. I mean, you think about it, it's not really my problem. It's so far away. Why would we have to? It's not my. Are there, don't, don't raise your hand, but are there things in the church or in the ministry or the world? They're so far away, they're just not your problem. So easy to do. Gilead made that mistake. They didn't go. By the way, when Joshua was in charge, everyone fought together until the battles were won. And now apathy and lethargy and laziness and selfishness have crept in. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, verse 17. And why did Dan remain on the ships? I don't even know what to say about this, but apparently Dan was out taking a cruise. (laughs) Dan's out fishing. He's out sailing. He doesn't want to participate. He just stayed on his ships. I don't know. I mean, you can make the application there. We live in a coastal town. Kind of hits close to home. He doesn't want to participate anymore. Doesn't show up. And they continued at the seashore. It says, uh, Dan remained on the ships. Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlet. So he's not on the boat. He's at the beach beach and you got these four groups one is too far away not my problem one stayed in church by the sheep pipings and just kind of stayed comfortable thinking about the problems another one stayed in his boat another one went to the beach man I'll tell you what I got a vacation planned in two weeks I feel very convicted I'm <laughs> just kidding I'm, I'm okay with it but there is a temptation within each and every one of us to be like Gilead or Dan or Asher or Reuben and to not get involved in the things that God wants. But let's just look at the contrast. Look at verse 18. Zebulun is a people who jeopardize their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefields. The kings came and fought and the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. That means they were destroyed. They fought from the heavens. Stars from their, the stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept away the ancient torrent. The torrent of Kishon, oh my soul, march in on in strength. Then the horse's hooves pounded and the galloping, galloping of of the steeds. Stop right there, eyes up here. She points out that Zebulun gave themselves to the point of death. They risked it all. Now she's just calling it as it is. There was a battle. There was a mission. Some people showed up. Some people didn't. And the reality is in your life and in my heart and in our church and in the church, there are two groups of people or two paths every single day. I'm either in or I'm out. I'm either on or I'm off. I'm either hot or I'm cold. And I need to every single day say, Lord, would you fill me up with your spirit? Lord, would you give me what I lack? 
Because in my base nature, in my flesh, in my selfish tendency, I'm just going to sit back and think about it a lot, or maybe take a break, maybe disengage, maybe say it's not my problem, or I can be, and you've all done this too, I'm going to be like Zebulun. I'm going to risk it all. This might cost me something. This might hurt. This might take everything. And yet we look at our Savior, Jesus Christ, who did that exactly for you and for me, and who said, as I was sent into this world, so now I send you. I was sent sacrificially, and I was sent to serve, not be served. And we need to remind ourselves of these proclivities, especially if you've been around for a while, you've been a Christian, you've been walking with Jesus, and maybe you're in that season of your life where you're just going to think about things a lot, and just think and think and think and think. And yet Zebulun got after it. And when Zebulun got after it, Deborah points out, you know what happened next? The stars started to fight for us. The torrents of Kishon came up. What does that mean? It means that God began to change the environment around them in order to bring the battle to victory for the children of Israel. The waters rose up. The, spray, the rain came down in the dry season, which caused the chariots of iron in Sisera's army to fail. This is so good. I, I need to believe all this. I don't know about you guys. I need this. And what God has called me to is Luke Frechette, South Beach Church, all the things in front of me. I need to believe that God's going to fight for us and fight for me. Amen? He's going to do it. Now, there's some more stuff to study. We're going to have to finish this chapter in this song next week. And just like in your car, the music will turn off and start right where you left it. I'm going to ask Ryan to come up, though, and he's going to lead us in worship. One of these days, we're going to have a church big enough where everyone can fit and we don't get interrupted by the second service. Isn't that going to be fun? It's going to be fun. Can you imagine that? And I can preach for two and a half hours without stopping. I don't know if you mean that. I don't know if you mean that. I believe that the Lord, though, right now, is doing so much in our midst, so much in our life. And he wants you to be one of those men, one of those women, who today, who right now, say, Lord, take me as I am. Take me right here. Lord, I have a tendency to, to be like Zebulun and go all in. I do. I do. Lord, I want to seek you first, and I want to bless the leaders of South Beach. I want to bless the leaders of the church. Lord, I want to be a leader, and I want to be a good follower. I want to listen to your voice. Lord, I want to do these things like Zebulun, who risked his life, even to the point of death. But we all know there's also a tendency like Reuben or like Gad or like Asher to just sit back. I didn't read the next verse, but I'm going to quote it for you, just kind of paraphrase. Deborah goes on, and she says, Curse Maraz. The angel of the Lord cursed Maraz. Maraz was Barak's hometown. Barak's hometown didn't come to battle. They didn't help. And because of that, there was a curse put upon them. Soon this life will pass, and only things done for Christ will last. And God gives you a choice every single day, not just today, but every single day, to say, Lord, I don't want to be cursed. I want to be blessed. I want to be filled. And even right now, I want you guys to know something. The grace of Jesus Christ extends richly to you right now. Right now. He says, I have paid for your sins. I've removed your trespasses. I've gone before you. There's nothing you can do. You can't make the stars fight for you. You can't make the rain fall accordingly for you. Only God can do that. But you know what you can do? You can wake up. You can. You can rise up. You can put your flesh to death. 
You can say no to that sin again in Jesus' name and let him reign in your heart. Let him reign in your mind. So I want to give you an opportunity right now. Right now, if you are in this room and you're listening online or wherever you're at, you say, Lord, I just want to do that. I want to go all in. I don't want to be asleep. Lord, I need you to touch my life once again. I need the Holy Spirit's touch. I need you to reign in my life. Lord, I don't want to be like Gilead who said it's not my problem. I don't want to be like Asher who just went to the beach instead. There's nothing wrong with a vacation. I'm taking one soon. Nothing wrong with that. But Lord, I don't want to disengage when the battle's going on. So I want to make this very simple. Maybe it's just as simple as, Lord, I just need to repent today. If you need to repent today of any kind of sin, any kind of selfishness, anything that's just gotten in the way, God's grace is sufficient for your needs, but I don't want you to leave here with the stuff you brought in. So if you need that repentance right now, everyone's eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Would you just raise up your hand right now? Just kind of put it up there just so the Lord can see it. I'm not looking. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you heal us? Lord, would you make us new right now? Maybe you need a new start, a fresh start. Just raise up your hands right now. Just do it. This is a safe place. It's not going to get any safer than this. In the house of the Lord, house of love, house of purpose. Lord, I pray you'd anoint, Lord, my friends and family that are raising their hands right now that just need a touch from you, need you to take away that burden to restore to us the joy of salvation. Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from us. Soften our hearts. Maybe you're here this morning and you're running hard. You're just on the right path. You're like Barack. You're like, you're like Deborah. You're just doing great. May the Lord anoint you as well. Fill you and lead you. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray you'd receive us as we are. As we sing this song to you, Lord, would you be honored and glorified? Would you all stand with me at this time? During this song, if you need prayer or you need to just reach out to the Lord to a greater degree, the altar is open right now. Come down the center aisles and just crowd around the altar. We'd love to pray for you during this time. You can come right now if you need a special touch from the Lord. God's doing something in your life right now and you want to surrender in that way. Come to the stage right now and say, Lord, fill me yet again. Fill me, Lord, and heal me. Minister to me. And Lord, as we sing this song to you, may you be high and lifted up. May you be blessed, Lord. And may the leaders lead and the followers follow. We thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. If you need to get your kids right now, you can get them during this time too. But let's sing to the Lord. And if you need special prayer, I'll be over here under the screen on your left. Come find me and I'll pray for you. Let's sing together.